The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's John Deere Classic. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good to see you. Hey, good to see you guys too. Um, Rick, what do you think of the John Deere Trophy? Is that on your list? One of your? I know you're a big trophy guy. Is that? Is this one one of your favorites? The stag. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's gotta be top third, right? They do a good job. I mean, they, they're so good with everything that's around the event, the team markers, the opportunity to uh, putt with one of those pieces of heavy machinery. It's, they, they do good work over there. Yeah, I agree. I think they got some pretty cool stuff. Kyle Porter is here. KP happy Sunday. I think they should give you just like a real tractor that you have to drive off the property. I think you that's get your one. Tra- Right. Oh, do you? Well, oh, I think it's, I think it's like uh Coke rack won that power wagon or whatever. Um, I think it is, it is not the trophy, which would be cool, but I think you, in addition, get some type of, I, I machine. I don't know what they're called. How, how does, how does Louie, how does Louie not play this event every year, by the way? You think he would be trying to peak for the John Deere. <laughs> setting his schedule just, just collecting equipment for the for the farm <laughs> that's so good i love it oh, well after uh, all is said and done on kind of a wet and wild week it's lucas glover atop the leaderboard thanks to a sunday 64 and greg we were kind of just talking before we went hot i was worried we were going to have like a six-way playoff at one point on sunday lucas glover shut down all the drama there were groups still out there and we were putting the graphic on congratulating him for victory. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he just kind of went nuts towards the end there after making the bogey at 11. Uh, he just decided to birdie pretty much every hole, but two coming in. Uh, so it was really, it was really impressive. He just basically started stuffing it, which was, um, which was really cool to see. It was a, it was a good back nine performance for him. He did the, he did the thing that you said nobody ever does. Yeah, I know. Um, which has been lingering ever since we talked about that, Rick. Ever since it's been very nearly um, uh, somebody posting and w- and winning, um, and it has been kind of a little while, and we've been dodging narrowly. And now here we go, and it's but, yet another poster. So hey, what can I say? Bad take. But no, it wasn't a bad take. But because I think especially at like on a soft track like that, where everybody's shooting, you know. 65 66 it, it just it it doesn't ever i mean i i'm with you i i i, I right. mean I, we don't really have stats on it but it, it just it doesn't happen it always seems like yeah. it's going to and then it doesn't and then today for some reason it did 
Right. You would think having holes out there would be an advantage because you got the par five seventeenth, the drivable ish, nearly nearly drivable fourteenth hole. You got a um it's sixteen, not that difficult of a par three, one that you could certainly make birdie on. So there were a lot of birdie opportunities coming in, and you just you just kind of expect having holes would be an advantage. Yeah. I'm happy to report that Mark Immelman has joined us. Mark, welcome in. Good to see you. Thanks, boys. Good to be with you. Um, my toes are wrinkled like an old person from all the water we've had in the last couple of days, but otherwise, <laughs> we're all good. <laughs> otherwise, all good. Well, Mark, we'll throw this right back to you because we're talking about Lucas Glover uh, makes birdies on 12, 13, 14, 15, 17. We knew the, the back nine was gettable at TPC Deer Run, and he certainly went out and got it. Yeah, it was. And, and to build on what Greg was saying there, I felt like with the way the wind was sort of coming out of the northeast, it made certain holes um, like they were hard to judge when, like on 15, for argument's sake, it was difficult. 14, they moved the teeing ground up, which made it shorter, but it was going to be all carry and there was a slightly hurting breeze from the left. So it wasn't the picnic that it was earlier in the week. And then 17 was essentially straight back into the wind. And Oh man, I'm, I was with Sebastian Munoz. He absolutely roasted two balls and got it into the greenside bunker. So with the whole location there, it wasn't the like the eagle possibility that sometimes it's been earlier in the week. So yeah, the course was playing soft and receptive, but you, you had to, you know, I, 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 we, we sort of opined at dinner last night that someone was likely to post just with the way the golf course was playing because the conditions were going to be the same. And I, Ian Baker Finch said so. I agreed with him. Frank Nobolo was on board. And, and lo and behold, Lucas went out there and did it. And, and just to his credit, I mean, this is a guy that's battled. I don't want to say it's the yips, but he's been electric with his hands with short putts and stuff. And and to come out there and, and make all of those putts under pressure, he's always been a marvelous ball striker to post that that was always going to be a tough ask, and and there was just enough there in hole locations and crosswinds and stuff to to make it somewhat tricky coming in. What what was it about the course specifically that led you to think that somebody could post and kind of steal it? Because was it like was it the caliber of player behind, like at the very end, or what? What was it about the course? Well, the to the caliber of player, I, I thought, I thought Sebastian Munoz was going to be a tough out. You know, the way he, the yeah. way he rebounded and, and battled back Saturday afternoon was, was impressive to me. And he's a, he's a sound young player. So I didn't think he would capitulate Kyle, but it, it was just, you know, where the whole locations were likely to be. And if you're hitting some balls in there with wedges and stuff, and they're spinning back off plateaus, all of a sudden, you know, then you're two putting and then, when you're back in those last couple of groups, the pressure is always ramped up that little bit more. So, you know, someone gets in there and shoots something low because it's on offer. Then you try and force a wedge for argument's sakes and you get it spinning. And the next thing you've got 30 feet instead of 15, then you three putt that, then it's just a different deal. So a lot of it was whole location. Some of it was the wind. And then, you know, the this course, you're right. If you're out there in the last group, you've got more opportunities. But, but there are also some pitfalls out there if you're playing under pressure. The well-documented putting struggles for Stewart Sink, Greg, are, I mean, they're they're real, right? So his, his putting from three feet, he makes Lucas 90. Cl- you mean Lucas Glover? I think, I think you, have wrong, uh, you have Stewart the wrong Sink. 2009 major winner. Did yeah. I say Stewart Sink? Yeah. 
Yeah, because I'm, I've got his wiki up and because I'm because he was the other guy who <laughs> broke a streak of ten or more years. So I'm getting right. ahead of myself. Apologies. Thank you. We'll get to Stuart Zig in just one second. Lucas Glover's putting woes are well documented, especially from close range. Greg, from three feet, he makes ninety seven point six percent of them. That's great for me. I would love that. On the tour, you're two hundred and sixth uh, putting from four feet. 90%, that's 143rd. So you always wonder if, especially as the pressure ratchets up on a Sunday, if that club is going to let him down. I like the uh, the term Mark used, um, a little electric with the hands. <laughs> I think that's a nice way to say it. It almost gives it a little bit of a positive spin. So um, I'm definitely going to use that term, Mark. I really like it. But yes, you, you are always worried about it. You never feel good watching Lucas Glover hit a short putt. It doesn't look... It doesn't look good. It doesn't look like he's ready to go. It doesn't look like somebody who's um, on the brink of making it. You always feel like he's going to miss it, lip it out. He could miss a one-footer, you feel like. So it was nice to see him handle all that down the stretch, especially when he was striking it the way he was, hitting it close, giving himself all those opportunities. When a guy misses those, it can really take the wind out of your sails. Um, and, And he kept it going right through to the end. Um, all the way to the putt on 18, which was a, a really big putt. So, uh, but Lucas, from a ball striking standpoint, I, I think he is a, a little bit more well respected on tour among players. Mark would know more about this than me as a ball striker. I remember talking to um, a couple of players a couple of years ago, and I'd ask them if I ever got a chance to speak with a tour player, you know, who are some of the best ball strikers on tour? And the common names would come up, the DJs and the Adam Scotts and all all those names. But the the name that was kind of interesting that always came up was Lucas Glover. Everybody would say he just he hits it so nice, so consistently and so steady. But he wasn't really at that time contending. He wasn't competing. His game wasn't in great shape, but he just continued to. Um, to impress his peers with his ball striking ability. So I think that still won it for him because his iron play was so great. But the difference, the reason he's holding the trophy, Marco Lovis, is because he he made the putts down the stretch. He certainly did. And this is the uh, this is the Stuart Sink connection here, KP. That victory for Lucas Glover, his first since the 2011 Wells Fargo Championship, becomes the second golfer this season to snap a winless streak of 10 or more years, Stuart Sink being the other man. I mean, I, I always love this, KP, because it's, it's not only a game of longevity, but you know why some of these guys hang on for a while, right? They Maybe they play past their prime because this is always kind of lurking. Put it together for four rounds and and get another bump change your life a little bit i mean it's 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 always surprising to see when you get a gap this long that these guys are still able to pull it off yeah i think i mean i i'm with greg like when you hit it like lucas glover it's hard to it's hard to give it up right because you're (laughs) you're you're just i mean if you play if you play for 15 years you're just going to stumble into some wins when you hit it like that he made i think it was four putts of of 12 feet or longer on sunday which is I mean, that just, it just gains you so many strokes. Like when, when you're, when you flush it, like he does. And I I just, I don't know. I I think that longevity is incredibly underrated. I know you guys saw the tweet from Justin Ray about guys that have won in the, in the 2000s, 2010s and 2020s. There's only like seven guys and, and Glover is one of them. And 
Um, you know, if you look at his numbers, he went through a stretch from, I think it was like 2012, 2015, where he was a, just a horrendous putter. I mean, just like, just awful. Um, and he, and he didn't, he didn't have very much success in that period of time. But other than that, he's really thrived on the tour. He hasn't won a ton. He's kind of like, he's a little Charles Howish in that he, he, He's kind of always, you know, top tenning several times a year and kind of in contention, but doesn't win a ton. Um, he, he does have a major, which Charles Howe doesn't have. But I just I'm really impressed by when guys can have a really long career like that and have a lot of success over, you know, nearly nearly two decades. So I think I think the win is it's kind of icing on the cake. It's not like. I don't know. Like it, it, it doesn't mean he's better or worse than he was yesterday. It's just like, it's just almost validation of how good he's been for such a long time. The other six golfers uh, via Justin Ray who have won in the 2000s, the 2010s, and the 2020s are Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Brian Gay, citing Adam Scott and Martin Laird. Lucas Glover adds his name to that list. Mark, you had Sebastian Munoz today. He was the favorite going into Sunday's final round, and things went sideways very, very quickly. Literally. Um, Literally, Literally sideways. Cold shank on his approach on number one. Didn't take advantage of number two. It just, it, it was ugly out of the gate, and he was never able to really get back on track. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was unfortunate that lie he drew on the first. And um, when you got the ball so far above your feet with a lofted wedge, the tendency is for the ball to want to kick left off the loft of the face. And with a back left hole location, I'm sure he was guarding against the short side. So you swing too far out to the right-hand side. I sound very much like a golf instructor now. And you show the heel of the club to the ball, and all of a sudden it's sideways. But I was quite impressed by the way he hung around a little bit because there wasn't any momentum from Brandon Hagee that he could feed off. And he gave himself good looks on five. There was a good look again on six. Then on seven, he just hits this gem right over the flag and makes birdie on that par three. And then he sort of gained a little momentum. Um, but then plugged one in the bunker on nine, and that was on the side slope, no doubt. And and that sort of put paid to the development. But then all of a sudden, you know, he, he turns the corner. Birdie's 10, birdie's tw- um, 13, had a really good look on 12 that he missed on the edge. And I felt like he may still play his way into it. But he was fighting this late right shot with a driver, and he was so in round three, two. And then 14, that into the wind off the left. And that's going to aggravate anyone who's not that comfortable uh, with the driver, and he blew one way right, had nothing from there, makes a bogey, and that was essentially the end of it. So, yeah, sort of fighting his golf swing a little bit. But I tell you what, I have come away from the John Deere Classic with a newfound respect for the guy because he's not afraid. He attacks all the time. He's an aggressive putter. You, you rarely see him leaving stuff short, and he's got a lot of swagger about him. So, um, you know, count me a believer. I, I'm, I, I like what I see out of Sebastian Munoz. Rounding out some of the top 10 here, Greg, uh, a couple of names that have kind of made a habit of being on the first page of the leaderboard, Seamus Power and Hank Leviota do it again. They they fly up the leaderboard on Sunday. They earn themselves T8s, and we know on the PGA Tour, anytime you finish inside the top 10 and you don't have full status, that is like a golden ticket, man. That gets you one more crack at it at the next event, and you see how long you can do this. And these guys have been doing it uh, for a couple of weeks now. They're playing well. Yeah, really well. We were talking on Monday about uh, about Hammer and Hank and what kind of, um, you know, do you give him one more chance this week? 
And it's very clear you, you keep it rolling because confidence is an extremely powerful thing. And there's always that time where it can taper off and you can come back to reality. But um, you're getting to the point with Hank Libiota right now that he he thinks that this is real, not not just a hot streak. He's starting to really believe. And when you see that kind of round that he played today on Sunday, you go shoot 65 on Sunday and post. It really builds your confidence and heading into his next start. He's going to be feeling really good about his game and he should. So I loved what I saw out of the, um, the round today. Um, his only bogey was at the ninth hole and it was, um, it was impressive play. The shot at 17 was sweet um, it, for, yeah. for Eagle, but that's a little bit of a bonus, but it just speaks to his confidence going forward. And he's starting to think that he really belongs, which is is cool. And it's definitely something I'm going to be watching going forward. How long does this um, how long does this streak kind of string out for? Yeah, I'm not sure if they're in if they're in the field for for Barbasol next week, but the 3M Open would be the week after. So we'll keep a close eye on those guys, gentlemen. We've got a, a major championship next week. I want to get to that. I want to put a bow on what happened with the Scottish Open, but I do indeed have a one and done update, and I can. I can make this it's not much quick. one. We stink. Like <laughs> producer, producer Jacob of the six of us, the only one who got any money. That's five goose eggs. And producer Jacob got 30,000 from Daniel Berger T 34. So basically right where we started the week is right where we end the week. Shameful. Yeah. Uh, one little point on this, and I'm so I hate to do this, but I almost look at Jacob in this as the as the loser in this because he lost Daniel Berger, right? Who I think Daniel Berger might be one of those guys down the stretch that has a little bit of value to get a T34. It just it hurts. So while we all got zero, um, I I don't I I feel okay leaving. I don't know if I was going to use a Brian Harmon. I'm not sure there's another place where you would use an Alex Norin. Um, maybe a Kevin Streelman at somewhere along the line who Rick had, but, um, again, doubtful. So Jacob, I'm sorry that that's all you got out of, um, out of burger. Cause I think he's going to have some good weeks coming up. Yeah. And it was, it was go ahead, Jacob. Well, I'm just saying, I'm sorry. I didn't use Daniel Berger whenever all five of y'all also used him in Memphis. So you know, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to differentiate yourself. That's, sure that's that exactly what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, this was his, like, I think his worst performance in his last six tournaments too. Could have used him anywhere, Jacob. I don't know why we're rolling on you and we didn't earn any money. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So the Mongolian reversal. It's, it's just easier. It's just easier this way. Uh, okay, gentlemen, we're going to flip the script. We're going to look ahead to the open championship. We'll talk about the Scottish open, but first we've got to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything 
works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. Mark, I'm not sure you got an opportunity to watch much of the Scottish Open. I know you were out at TPC Deer Run, but John Rahm added again. His first start uh, since winning the U.S. Open goes out, plays well enough to, uh, I think, win the Scottish o- Open, finishes T7 left some putts on the lip. He burned a lot of edges, but he is certainly in full control of his game right now, heading into another major championship. Yeah, Rick, I actually, uh, you know, in the mornings, I did watch a little bit of the coverage. You know, I was getting uh, myself prepped for next week and some early mornings and coffee in the Open Championship on television. So I enjoyed it. I, I thought Renaissance Club was a great looking golf course. And and I wasn't surprised Ram played the way he did. Um I was somewhat surprised at McElroy's performance, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I just want to give a nod to Min Woo Lee. I mean, there's a backstory behind this. Um, our number one golfer in my college golf team, Jordan Dool, is from uh, Western Australia. And he and Min Woo are really close buds. And so when Jordan joined us, he had a year with us. And I said to him, hey, uh, see if you can get Min Woo to come play for us for one year before he turns pro. <laughs> and, uh, and so he reached out to him and he goes, nah, coach he's going to turn professional and so i've always had my eye on him and he's impressive he hits the ball long i mean what a what a way to win uh, the, the guy's legit and you know lots of folks have made a big brouhaha about him and this is a big tournament and, and this is going to loosen the handbrake for this kid i, I think now it may be one-way traffic Minwoo Lee, phenomenal game. Uh, probably correct to turn pro, Mark. No offense. That was the right decision, I believe, on that one. Uh, KP, you know, we're going to look at this at this top 10 here. We're going to look at the first page, and we're going to see a lot of names that uh, are supposed to contend next week. You know, you've got uh, Matt Fitzpatrick in the mix. You've got Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, the aforementioned John Rahm, Ryan Palmer. I mean, these are names that we're supposed to see near the top of the leaderboard one week from now, coming over, getting their work in, and preparing for the final major of our super season. I mean, it's so easy to see Rom winning again next week, isn't it? You know, well, the- yeah. he, remember he, okay. So well, the last three times we saw him scorched earth at the Memorial in which yeah. he was winning by six shots going into Sunday wins the U S open finishes T seven at the Scottish. Those are the last three times we've seen him. So he's lost to six guys in his last three tournaments. Right. <laughs> right. It, you know, pretty good. <laughs> at the beginning of so this time last year i guess uh really like this time 11 months ago so the beginning of august we talked about how look there's seven majors in the next 11 months and somebody's going to make a career out of the next year right somebody's going to you know collect a couple majors or like three or four tournaments or whatever and that hasn't really happened and there's really not that much time left for it to happen you know you've got the olympics also you can throw in there but rom might be your guy he might go us open open and then take the olympics as well and i mean he might it, it, it might it might be a sweepstakes might just take you know 
the what's the uh, the old shop the grocery supermarket shopping sweep. supermarket sweep you might just pull every trophy off the shelf and grab every ham car. you go straight yeah. to the ham aisle <laughs> i mean he, he's just he's and i i do wonder it's not like he lacked confidence but you walk around differently when you're a major champion i mean i, I don't think that that's like a that's not overstating anything. And so I just, I, I think he's on a different level right now than he was, you know, even two or three months ago. So I, I and, and he was already playing at a level there, there was actually some variation between like the level he was playing at and how many tournaments he had actually won, which was none before the U S open. And so maybe this is a little course correction of like, Hey, this is kind of where he was playing. And now you're going to start to see the windfall of victories and trophies over the next several several months yeah there was a really clear like turning point in my opinion and the reason he wasn't winning beforehand even though it seemed like every event was a uh, tied fifth finish uh, he wasn't really making the putts um he was hitting the ball i think this has been his best um his best ball striking year of his career which is which really is, is crazy yeah and really because his his driver has been right on par with where it's been but yeah. his iron play has really improved in both greens of regulation, stroke gain approach, pretty much any metric you want to look at. His iron play has improved, but his putting went uh, it went away a little bit, um, especially compared with the last couple of years. And then he finds this new putter, and all of a sudden he runs away with it at the memorial for three rounds, wins with some clutch putts down the stretch at the U.S. Open. Um, nearly wins here. So I agree with you. I, I think this the floodgates theory makes sense because you have a guy that has the foundation of the ball striking and all of a sudden he's found a little confidence with the putter. And um, I mean, this could get scary quickly. Is there a star that you would trust with like a, say they had a 15 foot putt to win the open or any major? Is there a star that you would trust more than, than him right now? Because I, I think that we've... I mean, we saw him at BMW last year. We saw him at the U.S. Open. We saw him when the farmers like that. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, he's not like an elite, elite putter. He's a really good putter. But I just, I trust him a ton in those huge moments. And maybe that's like, maybe I'm prisoner of the moment because I was just, you know, we just watched the U.S. Open. But I, I feel like I, I don't know that there's anybody out there that I trust to make something like that more than I trust him right now. Yeah, well, more than would be key. Go ahead, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Oh, sorry, I was just wanting to ask: Do you think Patrick Reed is a star? Because Patrick Reed will fill it up from all corners when it means something. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. He and yeah. he and Spieth were the two guys I was going to mention. Um, Reed and Spieth, and I don't, I don't think you can trust them more than Rom. Yeah. Maybe as much. I like the Reed. The Reed is that's a good one. Hideki. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't think of a. I, I mean, I think it has yeah. to be Rom. Rom right. or Reed is definitely good. Speed, yeah. sure. Yeah, but Lucas Glover. Lucas Glover. Yeah, <laughs> prisoner of the moment. Lucas Glover. Um, okay, I, I'm calling it, boys. Uh, it's officially Open Championship Week. Let's get into it, Mark. The storyline. Yeah, that's thank you. The storyline uh, so far, unfortunately, Mark is is the guys who are who are not teeing it up. I, I mentioned Hideki. Uh, he withdrew. 
I think that was today, Sunday morning. Abubba's out. <laughs> 4 a.m. Yeah. Matt, Matt Wolf, uh, Kevin Na, Cam Davis, Siwoo Kim, Sung JM. Some of these we've known about. Some are more recent. And, you know, knock on wood, we're, you know, holding thumbs that this list doesn't grow, but we know how strict the protocols are. We know um, the, the restrictions that are being put in place on some of these guys, whether they're vaccinated or not. I, there's a chance this, this list of uh, WDs continues to grow. Yeah, um, sadly, but it's just the era in which we live. And this is the first time, you know, as the PGA Tour, we're outside of the United States. So you have to deal with this sort of stuff. And then um, I was talking with Ian Baker Finch, who's the captain of the Australia team for the Olympics. And what they've got to go through is jump through many hoops and take multiple tests um, before and upon arrival in Japan. But, you know, talking to some of the players here, there is a lot of rigmarole to go through. And players and caddies um, have to stay in the same hotel room. There's no families. They're not allowed out of the hotel. If they're spotted outside the hotel, I heard rumblings, don't quote me on this, but it's potential disqualification. So you're in there, you're into your bubble, you're to the golf course and back. And, and this is just a whole lot to do uh, for, for these guys. And and look, if, if, if I was in their position, I would certainly go because it's such a prestigious tournament. And I would think if you're looking at a bunch of the blue chip folks, they're going because this is a resume changing sort of a tournament. But, you know, Hideki was unfortunate, but the other folks that are making decisions not to go, you know, if they win an open, things have got to sort of go their way. Uh, I doubt you're going to see a John Rahm pull out or anyone like that, because, you know, these guys know this is a chance for me to really make history and, and build on a big year. So it, it's just hard and it's difficult. And, and from what I heard, that charter flight out of Merlin this evening, I think there's only like 14 players on that thing. And it's a huge plane. So well, unlike previous years, it's just different. But, but that's the area in which we live. And it's, for me, unfortunate because, you know, the Open is such a great event. And it's one of the, one of the spectacles of world sport to me. Well, I, speaking of that flight, I, I, somebody brought this up. It might have been Jeff Shackelford, but you know the the thing that has gotten guys uh, WD'd from this is is the contact tracing, right? When when somebody's on your flight, I I, I don't know the exact. It seems like very very detailed, and the RNA is kind of pinning it on the British government. There's just there's a lot going on. But that was what uh, Bubba had to WD for, right, Rick? Yeah, yeah, he he was in close contact with someone who tested positive. He's already vaccinated, but that's the rules they're playing with. Is he's he's out. So my question is like, what if somebody on that flight test like is the is like fourteen guys out of the open like that? Yeah, it just yeah, that's but that's why. Right, that's that's why the the um, players have to go through so much. That's exactly why. If the if the British government has said. The, if they have set those contact tracing policies, which it seems like everything I've read says that they have, if you are going to have players together, you risk losing your field. So in order to, because you have this contact tracing, the strict protocol in that sense, you can't take a risk. I mean, if you get a, a test that's a false positive, you could lose 20 guys in in an instant because of a because of one bad test because you have to follow these guidelines in order to have the event so you're kind of you have to really protect the field by making it difficult on the players unfortunately so you're kind of in that tough situation where you don't want to see 
this list double and triple and quadruple because players are are sharing houses or riding to the golf course together or or anything like that. Well, and the thing if that I, sorry, go sorry, ahead, Mark. Uh, if I am correct, they test the rapid test before they get on the flights. They test upon arrival, and then they test upon arrival down in Kent. So so there's going to be three tests in the next 24 hours for them. So the thing's very well monitored, really, in terms of the testing and, and sort of to protect those individuals on the plane, really. So so no one's getting on that plane with a, with a positive test, that's for certain. So I think the thing that doesn't add up, and I think this is where there's been frustration from people, is, hey, you're, you're, you're making guys withdraw, but you're also allowing – 30,000 fans in every single day. And the reason I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, I, I think the reason that doesn't add up is because you're, you're, you're pinning one on the British government, right? And you're, you're putting the other on the RNA. So you've got two different organizations. The RNA is, is making the rules for allowing people in every day, right? Mm-hmm. And the British government is saying, hey, you can't come into our country without, or, or if you get contact trace, you're you got to isolate essentially. That's the way I'm understanding it. Is that the way you guys understand it as well? Yeah, it is. Um, It is. But the thing, if you're going to have this event, you got to think, well, what do we want to do? We want to have, we want to have fans here, right? We want to, I think everybody would agree. They, they want to have fans. Um, But so now how do we have to go about this and, and protect the players? So look, I don't know all the, all the details to the extent where I can be upset with anybody or, say that anybody's wrong in this but i kind of understand where this all comes from there's there's a logical uh chain of events where you have to make certain decisions based on certain rules and if players have to go through one week that's not um what they're used to that's different than it is here in the states um to have a an open championship with fans there i I think i think it's a compromise we can we can make even though it's not ideal i think it un Go ahead, Rick. I was going to move us along. So if you have something, you want to put last a ball thing. On. I just yeah. I think it un, I think it makes the RNA look a little bit. It, it's a little bit unfair to the RNA because I think they're kind of just saying I don't know, man. Like we're just following the British the government and we're yeah. selling tickets as well. Like the I, they're just I think they're in a weird spot with so many guys coming over from from other countries where where they're having to to uh, contact trace and all that stuff. Yeah, fingers crossed that um, there are no major incidents. The good news, Mark, is we're getting we're getting golf one way or another. We're getting open championship golf. The names at the top of the board uh, are staggering. We've already mentioned John Rahm, but uh, you know our friends over at William Hill, in whatever order you would like, uh, include Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Jordan Spieth as your favorites. And uh, I mean, there's some guys in there that have question marks. You know what? What's the state of Bryson's game? Can that translate to an open championship? Rory McIlroy uh, back at an Open Championship. You know, Justin Thomas hasn't been playing great. Jordan Spieth, we haven't seen since the U.S. Open. There's just seemingly a lot of questions for the other big names at the top. Yeah, and to that, a lot of the questions, too, are about Royal St. George's because as far as Lynx golf course goes, courses go, it's the one with the most undulation as far as I'm concerned. You know, fairways are crowned. There's all sorts of humps and hollows on greens and stuff over there. So you could come in there striking it great and have balls rumbling all over the show and end up in pot bunkers after quality shots. And that's sometimes why um, this golf course has spat out winners that you weren't necessarily expecting. But that being said, 
when you get some of the winds down there right off that uh, off the English Channel, man, you got to be a hitter to play around there. And that's why someone like a Greg Norman, who drove the ball so well and was such a heavy ball hitter, that, that he would thrive and win an Open Championship down there. So, yeah, as you look at that list of players, you know, you can't really pin one that may stand out except for Ram. But to me, it's the golf course. And, and that golf course... I think is going to throw the handicapping out of the window a little bit. Uh, I'm keen to find out how it's playing. I've got no reports just yet, but when that place gets firm and fast, it is it is quite a handful. It really is. I tend to agree that it's setting up to be kind of a volatile one, kind of a wonky one. KP, the margins are small. If you're you hit a you hit an okay shot, a, a good shot, it kind of rolls off. Maybe gets you stuck in a pot bunker, and now it's turned into a bad shot. I just I think numbers can add up very quickly, and it takes not only complete complete control of your game, but also the mental side of it. Right, you're going to make big numbers out there seemingly, and you're kind of at the mercy of a lot of things that you as the golfer can't control. Yeah, and I think it's instructive that. You know, the five modern winners there, I think the, the first modern one there was in 1982. And the five modern winners have only won seven majors total. The only multiple uh, major winners are Norman and Sandy Lyle. Sandy Lyle won the, the Masters as well. So it hasn't, it hasn't given, like if you look at a Burtdale, I mean, pretty much everybody that's won at Burtdale is a multiple time major winner. And maybe that stuff doesn't matter, but I, I think it kind of plays into what you guys are talking about of like, Ben Curtis, Darren Clark, they were they were fine players at the time, but they're not they're not all time greats. And so I'm I'm curious to see if we get another, you know, somebody in that kind of mold of like, hey, this is your one major, or this is one of two majors that you win. Um maybe maybe that's maybe that's too big a picture, but we're still five days out from the tournament. So I wanted to go really big picture before narrowing it down. Well, I'll go really deep into that because this is going to be the 15th Open Championship at Royal St. George's. Darren Clark in 2011, Ben Curtis, as Kyle noted, in 2003, Greg Norman, Sandy Lyle, Bill Rogers. And I'm sure we all remember back in 1894, the podcast after this one, J.H. Taylor won with four rounds in the 80s. He went 84, 80, 81, 81 to win a whopping 30 pounds. Yeah, it was the they, first. Uh, it was the first open outside of Scotland. Yeah, that first that open that in got England. Got to very well through those heavy sea winds, man. <laughs> <laughs> Varden won it in 1899. It's gonna be that was the that was the second one. It's gonna be um, it, it's gonna be a lot of fun, Greg. We're set up for um, yeah. I think handicapping is gonna be incredibly difficult. We did a little bit of a first look. We have a DFS preview coming up on Monday, but uh, I think these guys are at the like. I, I want to see. I don't know what I want to see. I just want to see an Open Championship. It's been two years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I I I, don't, I think you're gonna get a pretty um, a, a solid leaderboard. I don't know who's going to win yet. Um, you think there's going to be a solid leaderboard at a major? I, I don't think it's going to be. Bold, a, yeah. That, yep. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Um, way out on the limb. But I do think the stars are going to come out to play. And the other thing is, as it's, it, we have a little rain Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the forecast. And if the golf course isn't really fiery and firm and fast, which um, it doesn't look like it's going to be, I'm sure it'll get firmer over the weekend. But when it gets a little softer, it mitigates some of those really bad breaks and the softer it gets, the more reward you'll get for good shots. Um, and the less, the less luck comes into play. 
you you have more control on a softer golf course. So I, I think that is a good thing for the really the the top tier players, uh, the players who are in the best form. Who gets firm and fast, and it kind of opens it up to, um, it, it opens it up a little bit more, in my opinion. So how many is Spieth going to win by? I was thinking uh, my over under would be three and a half. <laughs> I'll take the over. I'm, I'm in a J.H. Taylor rabbit hole. In his defense, they had to play 36 a day. So those, you know, it might have been a little bit tired for those for those second um, and third 80s. Uh, our, imagine, imagine for a second what that one gutter percher he had must have been looking like after 36 <laughs> holes of golf. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Oh, man. So good. So good. Uh, Gentlemen, we're going to put a pin in it for now. There is going to be a ton of content next week. Already talked about the DFS preview on Monday, mega preview on Tuesday, round by round recaps, maybe something on Wednesday. We'll see. Plenty of stuff to go. But uh, any final thoughts, JDC or Open Championship related before we get out of here? I'm with Greg. I'm just so excited about about an Open. I I think it's the... For me, it's the most fun viewing experience of the year because you're just up at insane hours and you're watching golf for just it's it's the best. I love it. I'm glad that there's going to be fans there because that walk on the final hole is just the absolute best scene. And I missed it last year. The last the last 12 months have been really fun, but I missed having the open. And I just I'm I'm it's crazy that after that this time next week, the next major will be next to April. And uh I'm just I'm really excited about a final week of of majors or a final major uh, of of 2021 next week. Kyle, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to the uh, the group chats early in the morning between the five of us, Ed, Coach. Uh, but for me, I, I don't get to watch golf very much, and I, I relished watching the U.S. Open. You know, sitting on the couch, you know, f- scrolling through Twitter like you guys do, seeing what you had to say. So. For me, this is always a fun thing. And and going to the only thing more fun for me is going to the open because it's so great and the tournament yeah. is spectacle. And you go to such awesome little towns. Um and, and down there in the south of England, it it's it's really cool. And I've got fun memories of the place because um my brother made it all the way to the British amateur final down there and I was caddying for him for the week. And he would have been the uh I think the maybe the youngest winner of all time. And lost to a guy called Craig Watson from Scotland, so it, it, it's an incredible place. It's a really difficult golf course, and and, and um, I, I cannot wait for Thursday early morning on the couch. I'm pretty sure it's a. Let me make sure I have this right. Thursday starts at. Oh boy, it's, here we go. I think it's midnight. Yes, <laughs> midnight Eastern. Midnight yeah. Eastern. I so think that's ten for you. no, that's nine for you, right? So I should, do I just brew a cup of coffee at nine and just like <laughs> hunker down? Like how, I, I got to do I totally we, get it to shape like for the next couple of days? Like adjust. We got to we got to get out of here so we can go to bed. Get on get on England time. You got to get you better be jet lagged for the viewing. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, all right, boys. Well. Open Championship, we're looking forward to it. But for now, uh, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there is Greg Ducharme, who, by the way, happy birthday, Greg. There you go. It's his birthday. Thank you, boys. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Now, 30 years young. Happy birthday, Greg. You can find him on Twitter at The Real GFD. Mark Immelman, you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. That's Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.